You're listening to the Twitchy Coffee Podcast. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, go to twitch.tv forward slash twitchy coffee. Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of the Twitchy Coffee Podcast. I'm your host, Twitchy Coffee, and joining me today is Cringeworthy. How are you going? I am doing pretty good, matey. Uh, how about yourself? I am doing just fantastic. I'm very excited for this one. Uh, I've been looking forward to it for quite a while. And uh, you've actually been a guest that I wanted to get on ever since I really started it. So I'm glad we. it only took us nine weeks, but thank God we got here in the end. So I'm, I'm so touched. I'm sure what I can't. I just, I just, just let me just look. On. This is a very emotional moment for me as well. I should get my, my liquor just so it's just on hand, ready to go for when we need it. Yeah, do it. Um, before we get too involved, though, this episode of the Twitch Copy Podcast is brought to you by Hup Global. Get $5 off your first order when you use the code Sean5. You'll hear more from our sponsor later in the episode. So, uh, so yeah. Now, whilst I quickly go grab some alcohol, um, just to spice up this this little interview we've got going on here. If you want to introduce yourself to the lovely people that are watching this or listening uh, on their drive to work this morning, um, let people sorry. know who you are and what you do. Um, sorry, my name is uh, Jack Ranjanan. Uh, cringy, cringeworthy. I, I go by any number of weird aliases online. Um, my last name is spelt with no vowels, so I had to put one in to try and um, dumb it down for white people. Um, I'm a caramel boy, so not taking. Well, well me as a dumb white person, I actually have never fully known how to pronounce your last name. Can you can you say it nice and slowly for the people at home? <laughs> well, in in English, it's easy mode, right? Like in English, it is right. Cringinan or cringanan or See, whichever syllable. See, that's how syllable. I've said it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, any syllable you want to put the emphasis on, sick, no problem. The the only reason you might be confused is if you try and read it in Serbian, and the reason people get caught up is because they see C-R-N-J and they're like, oh, it's a Krinjanin. And I'm like, no, in Serbian, it's pronounced Srinjanin, but that's something else. Don't speak Serbian. I don't so your heritage Serbian. is obviously Serbian then? Serbian, yeah. Serbian dad, um, Serbian and Belgian dad, and then uh, what's the other one? Italian and British mom. So I'm, I'm just general wog. Just mess. a smell, just a, yeah, absolutely. Just got a bunch of it in there. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. I... I found out the other day that I'm actually like really Latvian. I know nothing about the country of Latvia. I know nothing about their culture or their people sure. or anything about them, but it turns out I'm a lot of them. Um, so I might have to do some research and learn a bit about myself. But anyways, um, forget about my heritage for a second. <laughs> just about Let's the, go the, the podcast. So uh, what I usually do at the start of these, these podcasts is I kind of give, you know, the people listening a bit of a rundown as to who you are and what you've done in the past. Um, but the problem with that is you've just done so much. Like you've kind of, it's not like I can't just rattle off some Twitch stats because, like, you clearly do a lot more than just well, Twitch. Look, like, you, I feel like you do research into the people you have on the show, right? What have you researched? Have you done any research on me, matey? Oh, I've done a little bit of research. I, 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 you're going to give me a little bit of credit for All sure. All right, look, um, spew out the research you've done and I'll fill in the blanks. Okay, done. Well, obviously, you're a YouTuber, also a streamer. Oh, uh, uh, Yeah. You, you create YouTube it's content, and you say, every, I would yeah. say you still do it consistently. Like, you've uploaded at least once a month for the last several no, months. No. No, you God, think no. So? No, it's fallen way off. Um, I might upload, like, maybe once a month at this point, but YouTube and Twitch have really just kind of sunk to far lower on the priority list than they probably should be. Right. 
But I wouldn't say that though, because I feel like for a lot of people, they use platforms like YouTube and Twitch as a gateway into doing bigger and better things in the industry. And like, you've already got some fantastic positions. So you like, obviously you do like radio, you do like TV presentation, like- Yeah, that's fair. So I guess I started off in, on YouTube, right? Like when, oof, um, in 2009, I was talking about how to hack a PSP. That's an experience. That's a very old video that is on a different channel that you can't dig up unless you know exactly what to search. But after doing that on and off for a while and then kind of getting more into it in high school, I really ramped up in 2013, 14, 15. Then I ended up going to film and TV school and doing the, the technical side of things. So that did na pretty naturally lead into the TV work that I do now and the radio right. work. Um, at the same time, YouTube really fell off um, just because there's only so many hours in the week, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I, I definitely discovered that when I was trying to make YouTube content consistently as well. It's it's definitely requires a lot more time than Twitch would, believe it or not. At least in my experience, yeah. I find that... The way that you edit yeah. it as well, because you were planning on doing some really interesting vlog-style content, and the way that you cut together those those early vlogs would have been incredibly time-consuming. Because, like, from an editor's perspective, I can see how Abs that would have oh, been. Oh, absolutely. And to, like, yeah. set up the fucking camera, like, on a metro train, I'm like, I would not trust that shit. Like, no matter what side of town you're on, fuck that. Um, yeah, no, that was on the Frankston line. That was actually... Uh, <laughs> I, I think I know the exact shit you're talking about. So, basically, I had one of those uh, 3K gorilla pods with my, my DSLR Jeez. and my Rode microphone strapped on the top. And I dangled it upside down off of the rail that people used no! to hold on. Oh, I know um, oh, God. And it, I... I was trying to kind of like keep my cool and keep calm and casual just for the shot. But as soon as like I was done saying what I wanted to say for the camera, I was like freaking out about making sure it wasn't going to fall over. Because those trains, they're not smooth. Like Melbourne trains no. are like okay at best. So I was super, super worried. But the shot turned out kind of cool. So I definitely have to include it for sure. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, the, with my process with editing those videos... Like, I, I initially wanted to film the whole week and then spend my Sunday afternoon just editing it and then publishing it Sunday afternoon. I found out really quickly that one afternoon is not enough time to fucking edit those together. Like, no. so from, like, episode two onwards, I was pretty much filming all day every day. And then at about 10 o'clock at night, I would make sure I was home and then I would just edit everything I could. Sometimes I wouldn't be home, so I would just have to do, like, a couple days in a row in one night and yeah it, it definitely was a very very time consuming process whereas i think about streaming you know everything's set up there's no i don't have to constantly do uh you know pre-production post-production i just press mm. the live button i talk shit i press stop and then bam i don't have to think about streaming until you know the next time i go live it's, it's something you take for granted right like once you've been doing twitch for a while and i guess my parallel is i do tv stuff and i do radio stuff tv is is very much pre-production uh, post-production and then radio for the most part is is all done live um so I, I guess i will very quickly do a rundown of the stuff i do i'm a reporter for new game plus which is a melbourne tv show we're broadcast in melbourne adelaide perth and new zealand um Z games is a radio show and podcast we're based in brisbane at four triple z and we're broadcast on a bunch of regional stations across australia and online as a podcast um and then i have a day job uh which uh yeah that's the most good that i have to say about that part of my life right no fair enough well i was looking at i was watching the video today um i think it was behind the scenes on Z games where like mm. at the studio and uh it it, it it's interesting being in a professional environment, you know, compared to just sitting in your bedroom sort of doing the stream thing. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of taps into... Oh, sorry, go on. 
You think you'd think that, but Triple Z is such a ghetto place. Like, oh man. Oh, like, well, yeah. It was you banging on the door trying to get in, and like it seemed as though you'd just wandered into some random back alleyway <laughs> yeah, just that's to. Exactly uh, it. I was like, did they? Are they making a joke? Like, is this actually where they want to be, or are they just sort of like just talking shit? But no, that was legit. Yeah, wow. That it definitely looked yeah. interesting for sure. Absolutely. It reminds me of. Um, I went to a, a university in in Melbourne for like an open day. And I remember like walking towards the front of it and it was, it was kind of similar to that alleyway. We were like, this is disgusting. What the fuck? But what, then you what open the front here? door. Yeah. And it's like, you walk into a whole new world. It's like amazing art and like animation and film and stuff just all over the walls. And yeah, I kind of got vibes like that. So, I mean, it's it, definitely like that. Yeah. Like it's, it has a, an insane heritage, like going back through how triple Z, four triple Z, the radio station was created and how it was originally based out of the uni of queensland they got kicked out of the uni of queensland and were basically pirate radio they set up a caravan at the broadcast tower like it's fucked um that's crazy this is in like the era of queensland state government being mega fucked like god there, there are some insane stories about four triple z's news history um but now we're a community station sort of focusing on youth broadcasting um and and sort of providing a voice to as many different community groups as possible that might not necessarily be heard through commercial media, which gives us a lot of freedom, far more than we probably deserve in getting away with <laughs> the shit that we do on our... And it's not just like my, our show on, on Z Games. God, the there's radio- a lot of like content on that station. Like there's quite a lot from what like, cause I, I, I was initially confused as to sort of what the whole situation was. Like I thought that four triple Z was your show. So when I put that in, I was like, there is just a lot to dig through here. Yeah. Um, but triple, even just looking triple at triple Z, Z, Z for, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's, ex- that's exactly what I wanted to lead on to. When I put four triple Z in any search engine, a lot of the stuff that comes up initially is stuff from like the 1980s. Like <laughs> it's been around for a while. And uh, so it's pretty cool to sort of be part of, you know, that network that has like a, a history there. Definitely. Like uh, as from someone who has a keen interest in journalism and media and, and media studies, like being at a place that is, uh, I, I think, uh, a well-known, established place in the news field in Brisbane, um, particularly with a lot of the shit that was going on during the um, uh, Bjelke-Peterson government, uh, like the state government, a lot of the reporting they were doing back then was mental. Like it was, it was a lot of what was going on at the state level was also fucked, but it was like having that heritage come down. It's not quite as, uh, in- intense as it probably would have been back then. Um, right. But yeah, it, it means that the station has, uh, more of a platform for people to try and do weird shit. So like Z games is, has been on that uh, station since 2010. It's a very old show. Um, yeah. Wow. But, uh, like, outside of what I've done at Z Games, I've been on Queer Radio, which has been there for 40 years. We are after the Dykes on Mike show is the name of that program. <laughs> Dykes on Mike's is definitely, that's the official. That is such a good name. Yeah. And then I had a very short-lived pop-up show on their digital spin-off, um, Z Digital, where it was called Pop-Ups Enabled. And it was basically just an internet culture show. So they, they definitely are interested in providing a platform to youth broadcasters or... Um, minority broadcasters that otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity right absolutely no that's fantastic yeah i, I again just like when i was lifting through like a lot of the content that was on four triple z it, it it seemed like there's a lot of really cool content there and i i think now that i know about it i'm definitely going to make an effort to sort of see what else is on that platform because it seems like a lot of cool stuff there it is it is definitely a lot like listening to triple z can be 
oh god i mean that's what it feels like to chew five gum hey like it's a lot <laughs> to keep up with um well, I, do you have any recommendations for shows that are on tri- uh, for triple z other than your own obviously brisbane lion i really enjoy but it's it's a news and current affairs show not everything they're reporting on is brisbane specific but i have a very keen interest in journalism i appreciate that's not for everyone there are a bunch of music specific shows that are on throughout the week I, the most that I'll catch actually is on a Saturday or a Sunday, there's a jazz show that runs for like three or so hours. And I'm just like, yeah, I love it. That um, sounds so relaxing. I'm kind yeah, of just like, imagining sitting on my front porch with a cup of coffee, listening to jazz for three hours and thinking, this is, this is not bad. This is a cool way to live. As much as Triple Z is a youth station, there's jazz. Triple Triple Z has a lot of people that have been there for a very long time. Like right. the the executive producer that I took over from on Z Games, he'd been there since the early to mid noughties. So he'd been there for 10, oh, wow. 15 okay. years. There are people that have been at Z for 20 to 30 years. Um, it's like, I mean, just for context, I mean, we ended up making a joke about 4X on, on air and um, we had an, an angry caller call up giving a shit about the fact that we paid out 4X. That sort of says a little bit about the audience of Four Triple Z, right? Um, more, of, yeah. more, more about Triple Z than Z Games, thank Christ. But yeah, like, <laughs> well, as, correct as, me if I'm wrong, but when it comes to sort of the entertainment industry, the turnover is very, very quick. Like, people don't typically stick around in one company or one sort of production mm. very long. They kind of get what they can and then they move on. They move on to something bigger or better. So when you get these veterans in these industries that stick around for 10, 20 years, like, it's, it, it, there's a lot you can learn from them. So I feel like it's a pretty cool place to be. It is, but it's very different depending on what part of the media sector you're looking at. Like, right. if you're talking about commercial media, you're absolutely right. And that applies to Brisbane City and Melbourne. Um, community broadcasting is something that I happen to kind of stumble into pretty naturally after finishing tape. And I'm like, oh, I want to put these skills to use. Where do I do that? Oh, there's a gaming TV show. At the time, Good Game was on as well. And I was like, well, what else is there? Oh, there's a new game plus. Cool. Um, right. When you get into community media, there is a tendency that I've seen to kind of stick around and not become complacent, but it's difficult to get out of the niche of community broadcasting and community production. I have had a few opportunities to strike out and do more commercial work, including like writing for PC Gamer and doing some other freelance gigs um, for like esports teams. But well, that was something that I found in my research. Like yeah. when I just put in your full name, like I expected the first hits to be about sort of you know, your radio show or your TV show or things like that. But a lot of it was like articles that you'd written, and um, I found that like. I, I didn't realize how prolific you were in your writing. So, like, uh, that was something... I, I kind of always thought of you as the radio and, and TV guy, not it's, the writer. It's not as much as you think, to be honest. Like, I've done bits and pieces, though. Like, when I was in... Just out of high school, I was doing a bit of writing for a website called Attack of the Fanboy. That website is dog shit, but my articles <laughs> are still there. Um, I'd done bits and pieces for Sticky Trigger, which was a, a, a website based out of Newcastle. I've done stuff for PC Gamer. Um that the thing is i can count on both hands how many written articles i've done it's not much um the amount of video content that i've produced is fucking mental for the amount of time that i've spent in this industry god i went hard in 2017 and 18 and i burnt out hard i remember seeing a lot of the stuff you're putting out in 2017 2018 because, I mean, I, I, to the people that are watching or listening, I've known you for a while. I think, like, we when did we meet? It would have been 20... Feb 16. 15 or 16? Yeah. So, GX 2016 yeah. was when we met. Yeah, wow. That's crazy to think that that was, yeah, th- three years ago. three years ago, that's, yep. That's totally mental. <laughs> oh, what would you say you do differently? And, like, how have you... Like, what's different for you 
compared to 2016 you? I've learnt how to... I've learnt... Technically, I've improved in editing and in organizational stuff. Like, the, the pre-production, production, and post-production stuff, obviously, my technical ability has improved in some capacity. 100%, I, yeah. I think that my time management skills and the emphasis on not just mega fucking myself to the point where I get sick every two months, like two or three months, that was the reality in 2016 and 17 into the beginning of 18. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, right. Because I was just dead set on trying to break into the media space, break into the industry and leave Brisbane. Because there's not a whole lot of work here. Um, that kind of... It's not sustainable and it's not healthy. Like that, I, I've been told that I have a very good work ethic. It's not a good work ethic. It's not a healthy work ethic. I should no, I not never put, like, ask anyone to do the same thing, the same things that I have. Well, I, I, I suppose that could lead on to sort of the question of, you know... <sighs> when it comes to these creative industries because it's so competitive like people are almost expected to you know overwork themselves and it's it's so common to be burned out mm. just because of how hard you need to work just to make a name for yourself and it's um you know it's it's, it's kind of it's 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 an unfortunate situation because it's it's very rare that people have a healthy lifestyle and also make it part you know of that I mean? comes down to the fact that a lot of the work in this industry isn't necessarily considered work by the people doing it. Like when you're like, Oh, I want a healthy work life balance. That means a good balance of doing the stuff that I need to pay my bills with and doing the stuff that I enjoy doing. Yeah. When you work in the games field, those lines are fucking blurred and it's really hard to draw a fine line and be like, no, I need to shut down because you love doing it so much. And yeah, to your point about the expectation that you should be overworked and maybe should be overqualified. I think that that is i don't think necessarily overqualified but the reality is that people are being underpaid for their worth in this industry it's something that i've seen a lot right. of something that i think is pretty widespread and i'm not really sure because i haven't seen enough of the industry to, to understand how to try and fix that um it's, it's something that looking forward into where i might go in this industry kind of shits me off but um yeah it, it's more about just trying to figure out okay I really need to stop working out, even though I want to play games. But I'm doing it for a review. But it's not work. But it, I'm playing a game. But I need to write yeah, a review. Right. And it's like, Ugh! shut down. Well, I mean, a lot of streamers face a really similar problem when, yeah. you know, if they want to play a really good game, they sort of think, well, I don't really want to play it off stream because this is great content. But also, I just want to sort of just play a fucking video game. I just want to relax, sit down and play a game. But a lot of streamers can't really find themselves doing that. And uh, it, it, yeah, it does blur the line what is work and what is not work, for sure. Absolutely. That's something that I still experience. Like, as much as I am involved in games media, I play games far less than I did when I joined this industry, which is probably a little bit sad, but that's just like the amount that oh, I work I, is, yeah. I suppose it makes a lot of sense, you know, for the people that enjoy the, the industry and the medium, which would be video games, uh, the people who enjoy that the most often have the most spare time. But if you're too busy creating that content, you don't yeah. really have a lot of... I'm going to guess you don't have a lot of spare time. Like, oh. you strike me as the kind of guy that if you have spare time, you don't think, oh, time to chill out and relax. You think, okay, what am I making? What am I doing? Who am I seeing? Sort of thing. It's more a matter of like, oh, I really need to cram some sleep now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting better for sure. Like, that was something that I, I really struggled with. Um, when, I, when I had the ability to work a shitload of day job hours, um, my day job in customer service their ability to give work has been 
severely impacted by the business. Um, basically, I've gone from four days a week of call center work to two days a week. Uh, that right. means that I can't really spend as much money doing the stuff that I want to do and doing all the flights that you probably see me posting on Twitter, right? Like all of this bullshit. Yeah, right. The money's got to come from somewhere and it sure as fuck isn't being covered by some company making me do this because Z Games and New Game Plus are not for profit organizations. Oh yeah, like they're, they're passion projects for you for yeah, sure. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. No, that's actually something I wanted to talk about. You going to Japan twice this year. Holy shit. Boy, and twice jealous, last but... year. Uh, okay, so it's... For what it's worth, it it's really cheap to go to Japan. Like, Jetstar is... I don't know how the fuck they're making money on these goddamn flights, but it oh is, yeah, uh, it was going to be three eighty. It's going to be four thirty return for the flight in June that I'm going for, and that's so cheap. What was it? Seven hundred, seven fifty for Tokyo Game Show in September return. Oh. So those flights uh, in June, I was just like, fuck it, these flights are cheap as shit. I'll get a train down the Gold Coast, fuck off to Tokyo, and then be just have a great time and get really drunk and chain smoke a lot. But it's going to be great. Like, that's that's Japan. That's Tokyo. Um, well, I mean, as someone that's been, like, I already know the answer to the question I'm going to ask you, but I want to hear your reasoning for it. Like, you've obviously been a bunch of times and you're really excited to go back there. Why? Part of it is the fact that I have friends there that I really want to catch up with. Um, two of my friends, right. Matt and Steve, are some of my favorite people in the world. They were based in Melbourne. Um they both worked in games. Matt actually used to work at EA Fire Monkeys. Um, Steve used to work at Surprise Attack, worked on a bunch of games. They've gone to Japan to work in the games industry there. And they are so much happier for it. And I'm so incredibly happy for them. But fuck, I wish it was cheaper to drink with them. Um, so oh, yeah. th- this is this is the best I can get away with. Um, part of it's that. Part of it is also when I fly out of Brisbane, there's a point of disconnect for me. Like, I can just shut down all of the shit that I have to think about if I'm in Brisbane, which is work-related stuff, day-to-day work-related stuff. Like, I I don't know, like, I'm not... The one good thing about not being in Melbourne around PAX period is that when you fly in for PAX, fuck, it is not real life. You are not experiencing real life for those three, four days. You were just talking shit with people, playing games, drinking a lot. Like, it's great. The the reality is like I'm working, working, working. Flights, cool. This is not real life, and then I have to fly back to Brisbane. Sure, the whiplash afterwards is a little bit worse, but the reality yeah. is, if I'm flying out of Brisbane, I I don't have to worry about work. And you know, you've got a problem with work ethic when you literally have to fly out to get away from your work. <laughs> look, I, look, I, I think it's a win-win. You know, like if you know a great way to uh, to disconnect from work, mm. but it also means you can have a holiday. That. Fuck it. It sounds like a great excuse, you know, to go have a great holiday. Sounds and I mean, fun. this year I've got at least three international flights planned. Like, even then, even even then when I flew to Hong Kong, I still had a phone interview with the uh, voice actor for Mercy in Overwatch while I was there. So I still uh. can totally get away from work. <laughs> work. Um, but, yeah, I, I've, the fact that I'm, I'm in a position where I can save to go on these trips and it is affordable enough like that's that's awesome um yeah i'm crossing my fingers i can save for a trip to canada later this year but that's real up in the air like i don't know if i can save the bank for that i'm i'm just trying to imagine the two international trips to japan plus 
I'm going to guess Hong Kong because you've been Hong there Kong a bunch, this, right? Uh, Hong Kong was just in March, so that was literally two weeks ago. I was going to say, I thought you were just there. Yeah, yeah I didn't that, know that you meant it. that you were going to go again no, by no, the no, end no. Of this year. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, Hong Kong, so this year, Hong Kong in March, Japan in June, Japan in September, maybe Quebec in uh, November. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. How much are the flights to Quebec? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, to Canada, it's a little bit more expensive than Japan, uh, right? I'm looking at fourteen to 1800 return, oh. which is oh, not no. easy to save for. Um, I mean, you can get some American flights for under a thousand bucks return. Like it, it's, uh, I've yeah. made it hard for myself. If I was flying to LA, if I was flying to San Fran, if I was flying to Vancouver, way cheaper. The, the main place I want to go is Quebec. Fuck, it's more expensive there. God. How much is like a train from like Vancouver to Quebec? I don't know how far the distance no, is. No, that's literally cross country. No, no, you don't Oh, do is that. it? Um, okay. It might be cheaper to fly to New York and then get a $70 train to Montreal. That might be better. Um, okay. But even then, I'm only saving a few hundred bucks and I'm going to be riggedy. At that point, you'd rather that. just direct yeah. flight. Just get in there. Just be where you want to be. No, yeah. that's fair enough. 100%. Well, moving on from there, I... I was honestly a bit worried about this this podcast, this interview, because unlike every other guest I've had in the past, you know how to interview people. You know how this works. You know the structure. You know how to have a conversation, a bit of a flow to what we do here. All my previous guests, they've just come along and they've just been on it for the ride. Um, and you you just mentioned you've had an interview with the voice actress for Mercy from Overwatch. Like you've you've had the opportunity to interview some amazing people as well. Who would you say has been the favorite person you've interviewed? Uh, Anjali Bamani, the voice actor of Sumatra, was by far my favorite person that I've interviewed. Um, she was a fucking sweetheart and she was well media trained, so she came back with the zingers that I wanted for that interview. Oh, the best. Um, that was at Supernova Sydney. I don't know why the fuck I was at Supernova Sydney. Um, <laughs> but that, I think that's probably one of my favorite interviews. Um, I feel like the one that really kicked it off for me was actually when i interviewed do you remember the good game spin-off show pocket i remember hearing about it i never watched it though so good game had like a web spin-off show called good game pocket and it was hosted by uh, nick richardson who had previously hosted a few like uh, political abc shows right i went to pax in 2015 with a cameraman and i was like i'm gonna interview a bunch of indie devs because they fucking love talking about their games if i do a shitload of research on them they're gonna feel comfortable speaking with me about their game and it's going to be sick for this is for youtube right this is before i do tv stuff yeah right and i literally just bump into uh, no i'm sitting at the th- the fucking 3ds chill out beanbag space in packs and i see the three team production a uh, three uh yeah production team walk past and i literally just go Nick! and like run over to him and i'm like hey you want to do an interview later on? And he's like, you know, we can't endorse anything. I'm like, yeah, I know. I just wanted to ask you about how we do the show. And they're like, okay, well, we have to do an interview. I'm like, I can wait. And they're like, cool. See you back here in 20? Sick. I shit my fucking pants. Because I, <laughs> like, at that point, I haven't interviewed anyone, like, high profile, right? It's just a bunch of indie right. devs. I've done a few video things with my friends. At that stage, like, once I did that interview, we also damaged some of their gear, which was hilarious. But, um... What did you damage? We knocked over like a light stand that they had, oh, okay. and there was like a light, like an LED panel on the top of it, and it just <laughs> it's like it was a loud bang. Um, did, it, did it like proper broken, fully smashed? Uh, not fully smashed, but I think something fell off it, which was not a great look. Um, right. <laughs> it was at that point that I was like, oh, I can actually play ball with people that are established in the media space and. Fuck, I was nervous doing it, absolutely. But the fact that I could prepare that quickly was like, okay, cool. 
maybe I might be able to take this further. And when I started with New Game Plus, literally all I did was feature stuff. I, I pulled interviews from PAX and GX and Supernova and all these weird places to be like, well, why isn't there a games development scene in Australia? Let's talk about that. Why isn't the mental health in games spoken about much? Trying to do these investigative journalism pieces, reporting pieces, um, those opportunities have been really, really cool. Um, but by far my favorite definitely was Symmetra's voice actor. Um, she was great. Uh, Sombra's voice actor was a little bit, she, she clearly wasn't really interested in giving me media. Oh, really? Dances. She, look, I don't want to say she didn't like me, but maybe she just hadn't <laughs> gotten out of bed the right way that morning or something. Like she just wasn't super jazzed about. Maybe like she was like jet lagged and she'd just been like swarmed by fans. Like who knows? It could have been anything. But well, also at the time we were, yeah. we were given a lot of interviews from Supernova and uh, that was one that I had not prepared as intensely for as a lot of the others that I did. Right. And maybe she saw like, well, this kid clearly doesn't give a shit. And I'm like, no, I do. I'm just fucking time poor can you work with me anyway it's for yeah the no <laughs> well i've seen a bunch of like uh, other interviews i haven't seen yours yet but i have seen uh the voice actress for symmetra do a bunch of other interviews and whatnot mm. and she does seem like such a lovely person um i, I wouldn't mind like i don't know I, th- I think she even went to the melbourne supernova i don't know if it was this year it might have been last year but they came back a few uh, times yeah yeah, hundred uh, percent. I wish I would have met him. That would have been fantastic. Well, I, actually, it's funny you mentioned, um, you know, interviewing these high-profile people. Do you have any horror stories from any of the interviews that you've done? Because I, I interviewed Jack Patillo from Rooster Teeth, and that is by far the most cringiest, awful content I've ever produced. And like every time I think about like interview flubs, I think about that one time. Okay, so and, yeah. I think, I don't want to say nightmare stories. I think on the topic of uh, Rooster Teeth, I spoke with uh, James from Sugar Pine 7 and he ended up taking the mic off me and I was like, okay, I guess I'm being interviewed now. So that was a weird, it wasn't a nightmare, but it was like, I have no idea what's fucking happening Um, because I was a mess for RTX, Jesus. Um, I think one of the worst ones that I've done was at a Brisbane event called Game On. Uh, There was an indie dev that had developed uh, Assault Android Cactus. I thought their game was Super Android Cactus Assault or some shit like that. I thought it was a different game. And so when I I had them sit down, I had them come away from their booth and they were clearly not super um, comfortable with doing on-camera interviews because we had a fucking TV crew there. Um, I end up asking him, so what's it been like working with Surprise Attack? And he's like, we haven't worked with Surprise Attack. I'm like, your game... And they're like, so we're Assault Android Cactus. I'm like fuck oh, Tim no. no I'm so sorry and like my cameraman Alex is just like look I'm really glad that I did this because now I know what it feels like to like <laughs> I'm like fuck you Alex we're not that was oh. by far the worst and I fuck I like I, I need to chase up Tim for another interview for a report that I'm doing at the moment and I'm like I can't I can't bring myself to do it I can't no no I don't oh I but, think you just have to sort of address the elephant in the room just be like hey mate remember that one time I really fucked up yeah, look, I, I don't know. Like, I, it's hard to come back from something like that. It's tricky. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if fucking people in this industry hate me or don't hate. Like, it's it's that like uh, imposter syndrome vibe. Like when you yeah. think you're not well established and you don't think that you're well known and that you think that you're shit at your job. Like, I think every create. I was going to say every Twitch streamer, but I, you could almost say this about anyone that's creative. Any creative I'm sure yeah. Everyone at some point goes through this sort of feeling. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. So yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, anyways, um, 
as well, like regarding the interviews, um, you've obviously, you know, you're being interviewed now. You've been in, you've been interviewed in the past quite a lot as well. What are some of your like interview pet peeves? Like, what would you say that people frequently they mistake and they do wrong, or like something that could just be done that would improve, you know, interviews both that you've done and then that some of them have been done to you as well. It's always really basic stuff, like going into like. If, if you're going to interview someone and they are well-established in the media space or, or just like well-established, full stop, right? They've probably been interviewed previously. They've probably put out blog posts. Why not stalk them a little bit? Like, yeah. I, like I was absolutely called the LinkedIn stalker for the first two years that I was doing this because I ended up digging up shit on people. Like I would go through internet way back shit on like old websites and they'd be like, how the fuck did you know that? Literally like a goose from Good Game was like, how did you know that I said that? And I'm like, because way back got him. And he's like, okay. <laughs> um, but it's kind of scary to think about, you know? Uh, yes. But I mean, it's not, not like I'm not, doing not, it Not just stalking people, but that like the yeah. things that we say, like it, there's a footprint that anyone can, if they're really dedicated enough, they can go and find out whatever they want. All that information is always going to be there. Like a Google search can bring up so much shit. And sure, the webpage might be dead, but fuck, way back has so much stuff. Google caches stuff. It's so easy to pull up information on people. And if you're wanting to speak with someone and seem genuinely invested in what they do and who they are, why not put in the time and effort in into seeing what they've said previously so that you can try and build off that? When you ask Absolutely. really basic shit, like establishing questions, like tell us about you, what do you do, what's your day-to-day? Completely fair from uh, an audience perspective because you need to establish them to the audience. Right, absolutely. Beyond that, ask some weird curveball shit. Like throw them off a little bit. I think one of my favorite ones was... Um, when I interviewed Yug at GX 2016, actually. Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, this is going to be a little bit of a curve. Well, it's like, hit me. And I'm like, so there's some, a bunch of mental health initiatives here. Your previous job at this place. And there's this moment, there's this like seven frame period where, where he's the just eyes shot. light yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, why the fuck do you know that? Um, and he comes back with a, re- with a genuine answer. And those moments I love. Like, oh, that, that's a good question. No. Nah don't give a shit about hearing that i want to see you genuinely shocked at my question that is my best advice i think it's because that they love getting asked those questions they weren't expecting because it shows that you know the person that's interviewing them cared enough to make enough to yeah absolutely it's 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 a very fascinating thing and it's honestly not that hard as well like i find with a lot of the people that i've invited they've kind of gone oh you know mate it's gonna be really hard to find anything about me but it really it's not hard you just put their name in google you just open up all the links you kind of sift through them it takes and honestly i've had some people that i've that i've researched for this podcast it's taken an hour at most like if that person isn't worth an hour of research then like do you really even want to interview them in the first place it's it's uh it's, it's interesting for sure maybe uh i don't know let's i i do want to up my game a little bit more though i really like i do try to have a couple questions in all of my podcasts where i hope that at least they haven't ever been asked them before um so i don't know let's see if it's, i've got any more coming up look, with you. it's also just like don't stress too much about it because you like sure you might be like oh well this this person might be well established though they might have a reputation or whatever else right but if you're interviewing people on the regular, this is another opportunity for you to try new things, to try and experiment. This is another opportunity for them to think more about and reflect on their career. I think that there's, it, it's not like a, like a super high stakes opportunity, right? Like right. I've, I've had plenty of fuck ups. There have been times when um, everything technically has gone wrong or everything like from a critical thought perspective and getting the questions together has fallen apart. Like 
it's it's always fine because there's always going to be another opportunity provided you want to stick around and do this more and you enjoy it there's always going to be another interview try again next time yeah absolutely well speaking of monumental fuck-ups i have forgotten to read this ad read a little sooner so i'm just going to jump right into I'm, it now I'm, this I'm episode my drink. of oh yeah go grab your drink i've got my uh, i'm gonna do my ad read while i drink straight from this bottle of captain morgan um and that is just to show how dedicated i am to promoting this fantastic product so uh let me just pop over to let me see if i can pull up the cam bam there we go, boys. Now, just a real quick reminder that this episode of the Twitchy Copy Podcast is brought to you by Hub Global. Genuine, passionate, and cutting edge in its design. Hub Global was conceived and inspired by the street culture of Melbourne. Blending serious quality with striking design, Hub Global sets the standard on streetwear. I've picked up a shirt from Hub Global. Um, I'm not wearing it right now because it's in the wash again. I think I was eating like chocolate and I spilt some uh, of chocolate on, on the shirt. I don't want to talk about it too much. Um, uh, but yeah, basically, it's a fantastic shirt. Uh, it's probably the, the classiest shirt that I own. Um, I feel like my wardrobe needs a bit of a, a bit of a boost. And when I got this shirt from Hup, it was honestly like uh, a dream come true for sure. So uh, Hup Club was also giving the listeners of the Twitch Copy Podcast $5 off their first order when they use the code SEAN5 at checkout. That's S-E-A-N-5. Just head over to hubglobal.com. Check out their range. They've actually got new products out today as well. So go check out what they've just posted. Uh, let me know what you think as well. Uh, that's Sean5 at hubglobal.com. Oh, that crack. It's oh, a good one. I love it. Crack a Very good one. Open. Are you 15 years old? Smash a summer's bee. <laughs> that's too real. My feelings. <laughs> no, well, I, I mean, it's, it's actually funny. So I, I, I've been trying to not have any sugar for the last couple of months or so. Um, but I had a cheat weekend last weekend and I wanted to get the most sugariest drink that would get me fucked up. And the first thing that came to mind was I'm going to go buy a 10 pack of summer speed from fucking BWS. Um, and I remember when I first started drinking, when I was like, you know, 18 or 17 or whenever it was, I, I would on the regular buy the 10 pack of summer speed cans and smash through them all in one night and then just be totally wrecked. Um, and I wondered if I could still do it. The answer is no, not even close. Can no, I am no longer a 17, 18 year old kid. I, I definitely am. Like I end up drinking, dude, if I drink a full 10 pack, I'm fucked. I am mega fucked. I have the worst resistance, which is super cheap. It's the best. Like I, I can just keep Oh yeah, you can them. buy the 10 pack for like 18 bucks at some like, and, and it actually tastes nice. Like I actually, I, I, for some reason, this is controversial. I really like the taste of cider. I, I, I look, I enjoy the uh, sweet-ish ciders. I don't like super sweet ciders, which some people would cop like Summersby in that camp. But oh, I, I personally I, think Summersby is super sweet. Okay, yeah, it is. Um, I look, that's fine. <laughs> that's still fine because I feel like the sugar kind of hits you at the same time as the alcohol is. So if you don't want a hectic night, and usually I don't, if you don't want a hectic night, you're good to go at Summersby, and you'll slow yeah. it down eventually because it bloats anyway, right? Um, it does, yeah. So yeah, I this is literally a leftover from a ten pack I had like the other week when I was just just knocking them back. You were playing Smash. I was just, just yeah, it was great. That sounds like a good night, man, for sure. Oh, I haven't played Smash in ages, actually. I was thinking about it the other night, and, like, it was one of those sort of, like, fever thoughts you have at, like, one in the morning when you're kind of awake, kind of asleep. I was just thinking, man, I haven't played Smash in so long. I would love to play some. Forgot about it till right now, so I'm going to have to play some this weekend. Oh, you're, you're, what a bloody look. You've done me a favor, <laughs> for sure. Well, here's... 
at the halfway point for these podcasts, what I usually do is I jump over to my guest's Twitch profile and uh, we kind of watch one of their clips, one of the most viewed clips. We kind of have a bit of a laugh. We talk about what was happening at the moment. Um, I did go through a lot of your clips, but I, upon my research, I found something that I think is more suitable to show than a clip was. Um, did you find the subreddit? The, I did find the subreddit, but I didn't know what to ask about that. It's also not listed. <laughs> this is something totally different. Um, yeah. I, I genuinely, I was reading the bio for the Reddit and I was like, I don't know what the like, fuck what is the going fuck on. What the fuck do I say? Like, yeah, completely bad. I was like, there's two posts, there's 12 people. And like the main thing here is a photo of Jack, like doing Wait, hang on. Skin. No, are you like, did you go to the right subreddit? There's another subreddit that I thought was, you're the moderator of the subreddit. Reddit.com slash r slash team trash bag is my subreddit. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the one I found. Okay, yeah. cool. There's more than two okay. posts. Honestly. Oh, like, f- 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 I don't know why, but for some reason, only two came up for me. But, like, the oh, main okay. one that came up was, like, you, like, like with your neck back doing a double chin. And, like, I there was I, there was no context in the comments or the post title or anything. I had no fucking clue what was going on. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask about that, but that was not uh, what I wanted to bring up now. Um, direct your attention to uh, the stream, and you'll see a photo that I found. Let's see if it works flawlessly. Yeah, um... What's this? <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing it up. Hang on. I'm running on 4G. Give me a second. You gotta give me some I'm on time. The, I'm on the 4G too. I feel you. It's such a fucking mood, hey? Jesus. <laughs> I love paying 50 bucks a month on top of the internet I already pay for in this house. It's fantastic. I've got 80 gigs a month, so I'm not really too fast. It's just oh, not the most... <laughs> not bad. Oh, yeah. okay. So, fuck. It keeps coming up. Um, this- so... There's there's a lot I want to ask about this. Well, I, I mean, like, there's just the picture on its own. So, firstly, why do you look so surprised? Why are you wearing a bike helmet? Why are you triggered? And why oh, are you selling this shirt? You okay? <laughs> so, uh, there's a so I'll, let me break it down. So, I'm not selling this shirt. This fuck Amber's in chat. Of course she is. God damn it. Um, I am not selling this shirt. This was made by a friend of mine who was in high school at the time, actually. Um, right. And yeah, he screen capped a video of mine which i think you'll really enjoy bringing up um oh can yeah I'm, i would love to watch this i think my pc will <laughs> just combust if we if we try to give it a go but i'm totally down oh uh, yeah it's fucked um i'll get the video basically it was me promoting uh, another twitch stream i raised a hundred dollars for charity on a twitch stream in 2015 or 16 um and i made this really fucking weird teaser uh, to promote it, and yeah, that's the most. If you can find the link, I would love to watch it. <laughs> I've got the link here. Oh, oh my god! Please send it to me. It's called Hello Ladies. Uh, so you'll need to play this with sound up. Oh, uh, where did you send it? I'm sending it in Discord. <laughs> what? <laughs> so we <laughs> we just kind of I'm, made it. I'm... <laughs> I went in hoping for answers. All I got was more questions. Uh, so, well, I mean, you got the the picture of me with the bike helmet and the glasses. Being oh, like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was that's what that was. We were advertising a stream because we wanted to do another one, another 24-hour stream and have a bunch of friends come over um, at the right. time in that shed. It was a fucking shed. Um, yeah, it was an experience. The only reason it was as shit as it was was because, A, it was a joke, and, B... Uh, 
our mate Nick, who was at the end there doing like like really slow mo. Yeah, uh, he had a, he had the iPhone with slow mo uh, video for the first time that I'd used it, and I was like, well, let's take advantage of this. And so yeah, Sam had this like the other guy, the hello ladies, um, had his mouth full of water and just spat in my face, and it was great. That's, uh, I, look, I love the content where, you know, it's not trying to be great. It's just trying to be fun. And oh. you can tell, like, when you watch stuff like that, that, like, you know, you weren't trying to make a fucking masterpiece or, like, an ad. You were just trying to, you know, make something that was funny. That's that's pretty much what that comes down to. Yeah. And, well, uh, I mean, back then I was, I was experimenting with a lot of content. Like, that was when I was starting to do more of the interview stuff. But I was coming off of a lot of YouTube, like, experimentation. And, um... Right. Clearly not often entirely, because fuck, that was a ride. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that that was um, from around the days of when my Twitch really picked up around 2015-16. Um, and that's how the subreddit happened. That's how that t-shirt happened. Um, and if you go back to that subreddit, it is going to be full of shit memes. Like, such shit memes. Edited in paint. God, they're terrible. Um but a lot of them are done by a few of my friends in Brisbane that I'd met through my stream. Um, right. Yeah. And it's even that, a good look. I'm so confused as how it only came up with two posts for me, but that's but that's okay. What's something the favorite YouTube content you've ever made? Oof. Um, oh, it's so rough. <laughs> I'm guessing you've got quite a lot to pick from. Um. Yeah. So I I do have quite a lot. Like I think the 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 thing that I'm the most proud of is probably the mental health. Uh, feature that I'd done for New Game Plus on their YouTube channel. It's TV, but it's on YouTube. It counts. Um, the one that kind of got thrown under the bus was me doing a video on uh, marriage equality. That was around the time when that uh, was was during uh, the plebiscite and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I made a spin-off podcast YouTube channel thing called Brisplaining, and um, the video that I made for that was actually really really cool. But that one, I've, I've taken that down everywhere because. They keep fucking commenting on it. Um, straights, calm down. Uh, I, I remember watching that and I just sort of thought to myself, I don't know what the the purpose of this video was, but I no. love it. Yeah, no. We ended up going down the coast to a retro gaming store that is on the Gold Coast. The fact that that exists is insane. Um, right. But yeah, we ended up um, buying... Uh, Adrian bought two copies of A Dead or Alive Extreme and... Um, yeah, he was like, let's just make a really fucking stupid video. And he did it. And I, yeah, it was bad. But like, that, that, that's also one of my favorites. I love the products that come of those sort of situations. I remember when I was, you know, I was doing media and filmmaking in high school. And every weekend I would just take my camera over to my mate's place and we'd be like, okay, what are we making today? And I look back on those films and they are fucking garbage. Yeah. But I think... I think they're only good for for me as I made them because I think about the day that I had with them. I think about the memories I made as I was making those films. And I imagine it's very similar for you as well where you look back on all of this older content and you think, man, like that was a cool time in my life where I was doing this sort of stuff with these sort of people. It's it's always been a, a fucking ride, like doing this kind of work because um, it's always been a goal to make it my main job is, is video production. Um so as, as much as it, it, it has always been fun to do this kind of stuff and experiment, I think that it's also really important from a critical perspective to think about how you made that work and what was good, to, like what came of it, right? Like yeah, that video came at a time when I was moving away from a lot of the commercial stuff, uh, sorry, the, the com- community stuff, which focused a lot on 
um, interviews, which in the commercial space is not super great because it's a, it's, it's a lot slower paced and people kind of tune out. Um, you need to have much tighter. No, my phone. That's my, that's an alarm. Shut up. Um, oh, yeah. you need to have much tighter edits. You need to be a lot snappier. And yeah. that video was quite snappy. And it was around that time when I started doing a lot more, um, commercial, uh, like sizzle reels and, and edits for, for, for clients. And I think that the only reason that that comes about is because you try and experiment with that kind of stuff and was like, okay, so that was really fucking stupid, but what worked like what was good about that as well from a production's yeah. p- perspective? Because as much as it is balls to the wall insane, it is also very, very different to the work that I made before it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, speaking about you working in the industry, I feel like a, we mentioned it at the start as well. A lot of people use platforms like Twitch and YouTube as a gateway to get into a job in this industry. Um, I don't know how you perceive yourself and your sort of stance in the industry, but I feel like you've made a lot of progress and you're in a really great position. And I think that you would be a great person to sort of learn from when it comes to, you know, getting positions and getting jobs in this industry. So for a lot of people out there that are looking to secure a position, what advice would you give those people? Get ready for the long haul. Fuck. Um, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of commitment. Um, if you're in Sydney and Melbourne, you're instantly in a much better position to try and do this kind of work. Um, if, if you're in Sydney, all of the big media outlets are in Sydney. Um, with you looking at like Junkie, Pedestrian, um, the like Gizmodo, uh, Life Hacker, IGN, GameSpot, like all of these outlets are based in Sydney. You have events on a monthly basis, bringing this community, this this industry together. Take advantage of those events in Brisbane. That doesn't exist. Um, if you are in in the position where you're not based in Sydney and Melbourne, then you really need to make sure that you're able to fly into Sydney and Melbourne for a lot of those jobs. Um, and and sometimes it's not even for work. Like the amount of times that I flew to Sydney and Melbourne. I think for 2016 and 17, it was an average of about one flight a month that I paid for out of my own pocket. Like, that's a lot of energy and effort. That adds up quick. It's not as much money as you think. Like, Jetstar price match. Beautiful. Um, Oh, but not even that. Just the price. Like, the fact that, you know, you've always got to be constantly thinking about, like, oh, shit, I'm going interstate, like, in a couple of weeks. Like, it's... Yeah, that would be like stressful, both for like your time and your yeah, money. You know, it, it is. Yeah. It, it can be pretty intense, and I'm still in a position where I'm like, oh, we've got an entire month when, <laughs> when we're not flying, and like that's not a normal thought. Who the fuck gets hype about not flying out for a month? Um, right. Honestly, games media, the games industry in general, is incredibly volatile. We're in a position now where we're reporting on hundreds of people being let go if they uh, let go in the industry on a weekly basis that's fucked yeah. and it's something that, yeah. that continues to shit me off like the volatility of this industry is something that you really need to go in with your eyes open and be like i'm ready to get fucking burned so many times before mm-hmm. i actually land something stable and reliable and something that i can live off because we all need to pay bills that's it's so it's it's sad because that is extremely practical advice but it's also so depressing <laughs> it's like just be prepared to be shat on a lot until someone doesn't take advantage of you look i i think that my I, I had the opportunity to do marketing production for a game studio. Um, the studio was called Prideful Sloth. The game was called Yonder. These are ex, um, like Batman developers, ex Chrome Studio developers. They worked on Star Wars. The studio had Cheryl. Fuck, I love Cheryl. She's such a good value. She did a speech at a student conference 
And she basically said, you're going to fucking hate your life when your game comes out and just wish you were irrelevant for the first three months after launch. You need to make sure you're aware of that. And I've said to her, I'm like, Cheryl, you literally just dragged all those kids. And she's like, they need to know what they're getting themselves into. It's the exact same for games media. It's the exact same for PR, for marketing, all of like anything related to the games industry. Like my day job is in games retail. I'm not working at retail. I work in customer service for a games retail company that is affected by the ebb and flow of the industry, which right now is fucked because we're at the end of a console generation. We're seeing a dip in sales. We're seeing a dip in, anticip- like we're seeing an increase in anticipation, but obviously that's not fucking money, right? Like people need to pay bills. And it's it, it's something that I don't think is going to change anytime, anytime soon, um, which, which is really frustrating. If anything, make sure that your skills are transferable. Make sure that you're in a position where if you need to, you can pivot and use those skills elsewhere. I'm a video producer, I'm a, I'm a host, I'm a writer. I can do freelance writing in a pinch. I can do video production for all these weird fucking companies that are in Brisbane. I can, like, I, I, I do, uh, I, I'm going down to Supernova this weekend to work with a games activation agency for their travel initiative. That's really fucking niche. But because I have yeah. practical hands-on skills, I can take advantage of that. Do not box yourself in. Do not yeah. box yourself into this industry. If you're in games development, that's incredibly difficult to do. If you're in games production, specialize as much as you can in project management outside of games. If you're going into programming, try and look into programming opportunities outside of games. If you're an artist, same. Do not box yourself in because you no one can afford to. Don't do that. It's so funny. We've got Kitty Katsu in chat, my partner. She has said, uh, this is what my teachers tell me because she's studying animation full-time at uni. Um, her teachers tell her that failing is the default. Um, and I've, I've heard that advice where you should not specialize. You should have as, 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 as broad of a toolkit as you possibly can so you can tackle any job, any industry that is presented to you. But sometimes when you find these industries like animation or for myself with photography or um, for these these things like that it's they are very niche markets that the skills are not very transferable so it, it it takes quite a bit of proactive thought and energy to try to develop those skills where you know if you need to take it to another industry you're in that position where you can do so it absolutely uh, takes time to like the yeah. the idea that oh i i finished my games degree and now i am a programmer and i can just take those programming skills to an it like no you can't do that you need to make sure that you yeah. build relationships and you know what's expected in other contexts you need to lay that groundwork so that you can bail out on short notice because you're probably going to need to that's like, yeah right also, social skills are really important in, in the games industry. Um, making sure that you are in a position to go out and meet people and network. As much as networking is such a fucking gross term, that's the reality. You need to make sure that you can build mm. relationships and maintain relationship, healthy relationships with people in this industry. Um, it can be an incredibly clicky and exhausting industry, but if you want to be here, that's what you've got to deal with. Do you feel as though a lot of these issues in the gaming industry are because it's still in its infancy compared to like a lot of other industries? I think that's bullshit. Like games has been around for like 40, 40 years at this point, right? Like as a, as a reasonable as industry, yeah. business sector that has existed for four fucking decades. The idea that games is in its infancy, sure, relative to other art forms, maybe. But as far as other businesses go, like if you look at like other... I feel like a good parallel is talking about uh, IT industries, uh, mobile industries that have been thought of as disruptors, right? Like those are incredibly young. 
like if you look at a lot of IT firms, like how how fucking old is Uber? How old is Google? How old are all of yeah, these right. incredibly young companies? Younger than game like there are companies that have worked in games that are decades older than these other IT companies that are incredibly profitable. I think that there are deeper problems affecting how like I I think that the the model for how games are produced and sold and monetized and like all of the the uh, supplement uh, other industries that kind of surround that the way that they're set up that's a business problem i'm not a business person i'm not in a position to kind of speak to how that might be changed i think that is a really big problem as to why games is kind of thought of as really really troubled um the, the, the only reason i ask that question is because i've heard that get tossed around quite a bit where people say oh you know gaming is still quite young yeah relative to other industries but i, I never really to me that wasn't a really satisfying answer as to why these problems exist because like you've said there's a lot of newer industries that you know they do things a little bit better than the gaming industry does i think it ends up coming back to sort of the stereotype and the and the concept of what video games are and how they contribute to society and how people engage with them and like ultimately people don't take gaming seriously and I feel like that might have a huge issue as to why, you know, people don't act professional or responsible or, you know, anything like that because it, it's inherently tied to the concept that video gaming isn't a serious thing to pursue. It's like saying that, like, you know, if you want to be a YouTuber, like, people wouldn't ever consider YouTube to be a, a legitimate career even though to a lot of people it is. Like, it, there's that idea behind it where it's like, no, that's, that's, that's bullshit. Go, go do something real. Yeah, like so. th- you're absolutely correct in that people don't take games seriously. That was one of the other big things as to why I'm going back to Japan. There was a point when I was in Japan, I was at a, oh, I was at a concert, a jazz concert with a jazz quartet and a voice actor who was from Perth, incidentally, as well. She was basically doing covers, jazz vocal covers of game and anime music at this incredibly upmarket venue, like real bougie. I felt out of place. I'm not a bougie person. Jesus Christ. That was the moment when I turned around and said, fuck, these people take games seriously. Like Western uh, culture is not, has never taken games seriously. I mean, you don't have to even go to a bougie place to get that vibe from Japan. Even myself just walking through the streets, going into the stores, like, hanging out in bars and clubs and restaurants and whatnot. Like, gaming is just such an inherent part of their identity in Japan. Like, they they love it. They thrive off of it. They're proud of it. And when you think about Western culture, you would never see things like that. It, like, I, I, I remember at the train station, there was just a massive, massive billboard for the Devil May Cry game that just came out. And I remember just thinking, man, that's fucking awesome. And yeah, we have ads for games in Melbourne, but like, it's still it's nothing pretty like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 fascinating. And hopefully, maybe one day Western culture can sort of catch up and sort of take gaming a bit more seriously for sure. It's just it's just a cultural shift, right? Like the mm. I, I don't I, I'd love to read into more about how the games culture and games industries were developed in markets like china or in south korea right because they are set up to really encourage and support these industries western cultures are not and i i that's something that's fascinating to me but um yeah it's un- unfortunately that that means the reality is if you want to work in this industry get ready to bail out on short notice or move to japan <laughs> that's also true that's absolutely also an option um, but you need a degree to do Not that, a bad so. option, though. That'd be that'd be a pretty cool... Look, I, I mean, if I had to move to Japan, I suppose, fine, I'll do it. But, yeah, would be pretty cool. Well, onto something a little bit different. Um, this wasn't really a question that I thought up 
for the podcast, it's kind of a question that I sort of just wanted to ask for my own personal understanding. Um, we met at GX Australia, and obviously, to those of you who don't know what that was, it, it, it was it was a gaming convention that it was. Fo- I mean, you might do a better job of summing it up than I would, but essentially, it was a convention that was celebrating LGBT culture and gaming, sort of like just coming together. Yeah, that's and, pretty much it. Yeah, right. And like, I I remember just being because as as a straight white cis dude that at the time I was I, I, I would say I was very supportive but like I was pretty unknowledgeable about like the LGBT scene um, and hanging out at the convention that weekend was just such a mind-blowing experience and I, I loved every second of it but I just had so many questions um, but one of the things that I also loved about there was there was a lot of like uh, discussion about LGBT focused games um, and I never really considered that that was a market that people were looking for. I never realized that there were games that were made specifically by LGBT people for LGBT people. Um, and I, I just wanted to learn more. And honestly, since then, I haven't really come across many games that I would say uh, have been popular or mainstream or gained any traction that focus around LGBT other than maybe um, Dream Daddy. That's probably the only thing that I can think of. Yeah. But... Regardless, I wanted to ask you because I feel like you know you would like I, I you mentioned that you were on that podcast. Uh, what was it called? Um, on uh, regarding like the, oh, the 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 queer on um uh, queer radio on Triple Z, yeah, yeah, queer radio, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So you mentioned you're on that as well. Plus, like you obviously do games journalism and whatnot. Do you have any recommendations for LGBT games or media that you would recommend? Because there's uh, obviously quite a lot, but I know I don't know, I don't even know where to begin. Oh uh, yeah, I don't either. Um. <laughs> shit uh look i think that when people yeah you're right there isn't a lot of queer games in the public sphere um i think when you you know rewind five ten years ago when the indie scene wasn't really that well known either that's pretty much the same sort of space that queer games are in right now um and probably going to continue having difficulty breaking out of um because that is a risk to AAA publishers. It's like, well, we don't want the fucking gays in games. And I'm like, <laughs> cheers, EA. Um, so, well, I mean, that's EA is not quite right because they've got fucking Dragon Age and Aspect. So, um, honestly, I don't know. I don't know, man. I haven't, you fucking you got me. You don't have a single, like, a game or, or anything that you played and you're like, fuck, that was awesome. I should uh, tell my friends about that. I, one. look, the closest, when you're looking for queer themes in a game, from from my perspective, I just want to fucking date boys and marry boys, and that's what I'm here for, okay? Fire Emblem Awakening and Fates had uh, the European versions. American versions are dog shit. The, the European and Australian versions um, had incredible character writing, incredible character development. Problem was, there weren't any gays, so what you end up doing is playing as a female and then dating all the boys. The upshot is that a lot of the writing for the male characters in a straight romance were not super, like, fucking gross. Um, Like, there are are romances that I've gone through in games where you're playing as a female character and you're trying to romance a male NPC. And they're kind of gross and coming on to you and, like, being a little bit, like, intense. And you're like, what the fuck is going... Like, the Is it because of that gender swap? Um, whereas like in media, it's, it's conceived as normal if a guy is being creepy towards a girl, like in a game, but like, uh, if you swap the roles and it's like, what the fuck? Why is she talking to this guy like that? I don't think that it's, sorry. Uh, I need to break that down. It wasn't that it was being creepy. It's that, um, the, 
female lead is typically uh, the trope of a romance, right? Is that the female lead is typically quite timid and the male lead is typically quite forward. I'm not female. So that's where that breaks down for me. And I'm like, well, clearly this doesn't make sense. Fire Emblem does not do that. Fire Emblem Fates and Awakening, those games have a lot of straight romances that if you are a female character, you can romance boys and sick. You wouldn't even fucking know if you didn't look over at your character and see those boobs. So that I think is really, really good character writing. As far as queer identities, fuck man. Fuck, I haven't got anything. You fucking, like, there's nothing. I gotcha, man. I win. It's so rude. Um, yeah, there's literally nothing in my phone. Oh, shit. Jesus. Uh, the Arcana. Fuck. So the, the Arcana. Arcana. The Arcana. A-R-C-A-N-A. The Arcana is a mobile game uh, that is uh, put together by this te- this three-person team. Um, and it is like a fantasy romance, uh, like... a. a uh, adventure game but it's mostly just a visual novel it's, it's basically right. just a fucking visual novel and so you're going through and you're trying to survive in this really really interesting story actually with a lot of interesting characters and character development i loved that and the fact that again you can identify as male female or neither um and the game has like they the game doesn't fucking care like you pick your pronouns so that then the text is relevant to you and that's it everything else is exactly the same um so the arcana i fucking love do it i remember seeing that feature with a lot of games i tried out at gx where like uh, if you walked up to a booth and they had like a demo for you to play the first thing you would do is like say put in your name put in your preferred pronoun and like i remember that being such an eye-opening experience for me i was like i've never played a game where they asked those questions yeah ever like and, and and uh that really got me thinking about like you know when you play a protagonist in a game like how much you identify with them or how much you sort of you know portray yourself onto that character and when you have these games designed in a way where you know people that aren't a straight white cis dude can easily project themselves onto a protagonist like that that's fantastic that's awesome and like that's what got me interested in trying to find more games like this because i feel like you know they could they have the potential to be a lot more immersive and powerful than i don't know just a typical guy walking around the the one thing i will say is that a lot of the queer um writing another one is um fuck i'll boot up steam because I'll, I'll dig it up that way um there's a a lot of the games that you're going to be finding in the queer scene that actually pick up speed and aren't incredibly niche and don't really get much traction are visual novels because that's a way for writers to really flex without the overhead that you would need to risk as a games company or a publisher on animation on 3d on engine work like all of this stuff that costs fucking hectic money um monster prom is another uh visual novel dating sim on pc monster i feel like i've either watched a lot of it or played it before it, it rings a bell quite a lot. It's very good. Um, I like it. It's, yeah. a, it's also a competitive visual novel dating sim. So you've got to compete for your wank bait, which is great. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I just want to hear that phrase again. Because if a game ever comes out... I think that has never been made before. A competitive visual novel dating sim. That's also gay. Monster Prom, where you've got to compete for your wank bait. That's what that quote was. That's going to be my new sub... Jesus Christ! Why do I? Why did I? People get a sub just to hear that. I love it. Thank you very much for giving me that free material. Oh man! Well, 
that actually wraps us up to the end of this podcast, but I like to finish all of my podcasts with three questions that I ask all my guests. Think of them as a bit of a lightning round. Give me the first answer to come off the top of your head. We can elaborate a bit more as we go. Um, every time I've ever asked anyone these questions, I get different responses, and I love it, and I'm really excited to see what you uh, have to say about these ones. But the first of my three, uh, what are your goals? You've mentioned in the past that you, know, you look towards uh, your future in this industry, like what are your potential career pathways? And you mentioned that it's kind of stressful and worrying to you to sort of think about where this could go. But like, where are you looking to? What do you hope to be doing, I don't know, in a year, two years, five years, 10 years from now? My passions still lie in media. Um, I don't think that I, I don't think that the industry really allows for an, I don't want to say an easy pathway because I don't want an easy pathway, but it's like, it's really difficult to continue to work towards working in games media without having a second day job taking energy and resources for you elsewhere. I think yeah. that I'm going to potentially be going back to uni, studying, studying journalism, studying maybe international relations, studying another language. Like those other things are something that are things that really I'm fascinated by currently. And I would love to be able to look into more. My experience in games media is transferable to other industries in production and in media reporting. I want to continue to leverage that. I'm not going to be leaving games media because I'll be doing Z games for at least the next six months or so. Um, but as far as the future for me in games media, I have no idea how long that'll last. Right. Absolutely. Which is I really just kind of the... Sorry, that, that's a bit no, of a... No, no, no. That's kind of just the nature of the game, you know? <laughs> like, it's you've really got to sort of stay on your toes and sort of be flexible and be willing to, you know, like, change your direction at any given moment. And, well, it's you know, just like, the reality. some people, that lifestyle works for them. Like, that's what people want sometimes. And, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're in a position where you're capable of doing it and you're enjoying what you're doing, then that's all that matters, I reckon. Look, if I had a cashed-up boyfriend, fuck, I'd be hanging out in games media for way longer than I'm letting on now. But that's, like, right now, I don't have that. You either need to have parents that are cashed up and you can live off you need to have a partner you can rely on or you need to have a day job you can rely on if your day job is the thing you rely on you can't invest as much in the thing that you care about that fucking sucks so, me as a full-time employee like yeah. wanting to also pursue streaming but also wanting to do like film and video production like it's it's literally impossible because like, yeah. then like at, at some point you're giving up something you're giving up your job you're giving up your partner you're giving up your friends you're giving up you know like the things that you're giving up self-care you're giving up time where you can just do nothing and that's just as important as everything else as well yeah. it's 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 fucking impossible so what you're saying is that i should also get a cashed up boyfriend and then just rely on him while you know i do my thing as well right dude i think an absolutely like real talk i think that the most realistic path for me to take this point is just aggressively pursuing a sugar daddy and just marrying them maybe they might be in you know like 60s 70s maybe like seven or eight digits in their bank account get in that will set all good don't worry about Done. it guys Perfect. I get, you yeah. only have to wait like what at most 20 years 20 maybe years. 10 if you treat him like shit who knows like it, pff, it sounds like a great plan it's i, I don't know I, I support you all the way Solve. i think you can make it work for sure Question number two, uh, usually I ask this question in the phrase of who is your favorite streamer, but you know, like we've said in the past, I wouldn't identify you as just a Twitch streamer, you know, so I, I'll rephrase the question, who is your favorite content creator? Ah, uh, fuck. Um, I am really enjoying a lot that's coming out of Vox. Uh, it's a YouTube channel. Uh, they put out a lot on uh, just mainstream culture, media reporting, um international relations politics like the breadth of what they cover and how they cover it is fucking mad um i love vox so much um i think that in in the game space 
Honestly, this is going to be a bit of a weird one. Going back to when I started, there was a channel called Rev3 Games. Uh, that channel was 2010 to 2014 and it got shut down because the parent company fell apart, whatever else. Um, the way that they spoke about games, they had a, a team of three or four uh, talent, like uh, three or four people that were talent and then they had a few pre-production people. These were mature age people. These were people in their late 20s, early 30s. They were established. They were knowledgeable. They spoke about games with, I feel like, a conviction and just just getting fucking real. Like, so much reporting I see out from quite a few outlets is just fucking wank. Like, such bullshit. And just yeah. not non-content. It's just shit. Um, Rev3 Games, for a lot of the time that they were sort of at their peak when they actually had Adam Sessler, who was previously on GameStop TV and X-Play on American TV. That was when they were just fucking nailing it. And I loved a lot of the content. So Vox and Rev3 Games, best. It's fine. I've got a little list here on the side. I've got, uh, I don't know the context of these answers. I'll, I'll look them up later. I've got Brisbane Lion. I've got the Arcana. I've got Monster Prom. I've got Vox and I've got Rev3 Games. Uh, first one, Brisbane Lion, L-I-N-E. Oh, I yeah. thought it was like the line, as in like the Brisbane no, line. No, 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 okay. no, The show is called Brisbane Line. All right, done. Easy, cool. I'll be sure to check that out later. Now, the last question I have for you, what advice do you have for up and coming content creators? Other than, <laughs> we, we, we've touched on it briefly. Get ready to like, get bored. You... Um, yeah, <laughs> look, that's another quote. You're welcome. Um, yeah, look, go in with your eyes open. Make sure that you've done your research. Make sure that you, um, like, also don't feel the need that, you don't, if it's not what you expect after a year, you don't need to stick with this. Like, it's not a uni course that you spent six fucking grand on in one year, right? Right. Um, if you try it and you, you're like, oh, well, this isn't for me, leave. Take those skills elsewhere and take advantage of them because you're probably going to be better off. Um, it's not like a fuck you get out of our industry. It's like, you're going to make bank somewhere else because fuck, we sure as fuck aren't. Um, yeah, exactly. So, Go in with your eyes open. Don't feel like you're pulling the trigger on the next five years of your life. Um, but if you are, like, make sure that you have one, two, half a dozen, three dozen backup plans because you're probably going to need them. That is an answer that I have not gotten from anybody <laughs> out of all the people that I've asked this question to. And honestly, that is, I, I love that. I wouldn't have imagined an answer like that, but that's, that is fascinating. I, that, that, that's some really cool insight. I'm um, a very, very I, jaded person. So that probably is why. Look at look at. I think you kind of need to be a little bit jaded in this industry to get through. You know, like if you if you're too bright-eyed and optimistic, you're gonna get burnt too hard. So I think uh, a, a certain level of pessimism is, is necessary for sure. Well, anyways, that's that's the end of the podcast, man. That that's all I've got to say. So thank you very much for coming on. Do you want to tell the people uh, what you've got going on and uh, what you do and uh, promote yourself a little bit? Fuck, Sean. What the fuck do I do? Um, I am too much, man. On... Too much. The, the regular thing is Zed Games. Uh, we are on iTunes and Spotify. ZED Space Games is the name of the podcast. We are talking about the best in games. Uh, fuck, I've forgotten how sting. The best in games news, reviews, community, and culture every week. 6 till 7, 4ZZZ.org.au or on, on iTunes and Spotify the following day. ZEDGamesAU.net is the website. Go and give us a fucking review on iTunes because we only have one and it's insulting. Um, so go and do that. Uh, New Game Plus is something I do every now and then. YouTube.com slash New Game Plus TV. Uh, we're also on Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth and New Zealand TV. 
but I think we're on in Perth at like 2 a.m. So don't do that. Um, and then follow me on Twitter because I post a lot of fan art and shit posting and memes. Well, I've also just promoted your Twitch channel in the chat, and uh, my little shout out command tells me the previous game you're playing, and sure enough, it's Fire Emblem Fates. Yeah, so I recently. Um, where is he? Is he? Is he here? Have I got him? No, he's he's gone. Fuck him. Um, I recently. <laughs> so my first YouTube video was how to hack a PSP. Uh, I recently hacked my 3DS, and uh, oh, yeah? basically what I did was mod Fire Emblem Fates to include gay romances, so you can actually romance all the fucking guys. That is um, amazing. So yeah, I I can also do like screen capture over wi-fi so i was like tethering my ds to my phone to my pc via 4g and i was doing all of that and like yeah it was fucked but i did it holy and, shit um yeah it was uh it was a really fun stream <laughs> that sounds mad i remember back in the day like the only way that you could ever do anything with a 3ds like modding it or elsewise you had to send it off to japan and get it chipped and uh and then i would then send it back to you but like it's, it's cool to know that now you don't need to do all that dumb shit just to uh <laughs> I mean, look, it hasn't been the smoothest ride. Like, I get, I, I load the custom <laughs> firmware now, and it's like, none of the data on the SD card can be read. And I'm like, fuck, what have I done? So, like, it's oh. it's still about as rough as early PSP hacking days were. But um, I'm really interested to see how it is to hack a Vita, because I'm going to be doing that after I get back from Japan. Buying a Vita, man. That'd be pretty it's going to be so good. How much are Vitas these days? Uh, in Japan, you can get a pretty good quality one for about 150 maybe? That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. I might have to pick one up for sure. Next time I'm in Japan, I'll, I have, I'll come over in September with you and uh, just just to buy my PSP yeah, and to go partying with you. Uh, yes, um, and we're gonna good. go to Tokyo Game Tokyo Game Show. It's terrifying. Fuck, man. Oh. I, I wanted to go, but I was I, I, I don't know. That sounds like information overload. It, it seems overwhelming to be in a situation like that. Business days are okay. Public days are terrifying, but just the fact that it's they have a hall the size of packs just for merch. That's how yeah, fucking yeah. huge Tokyo Game Show is. It's ridiculous. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's crazy. Well, anyways, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, man. I'm sure I'll catch you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Bye.